Welcome to Hands at the Table. I'm your co-host, Jeff Bramhall. Alongside fellow massage therapist, Bori Saranyi, this podcast shows massage therapists how powerful our profession can be. We believe that as a craft and as a profession, massage therapy is only limited by a therapist's imagination and willingness to put in the work. By sharing what we're learning, what we're working on, and what's captured our interest, we hope to broaden your perspective, inspire you to set your standard high, and invest in your craft. Thank you for joining us. Welcome everybody back to Hands at the Table with Jeff and Bori. Happy New Year again. And today we would like to, I would like to interview Jeff and talk about a book that he read. I haven't read it, so this is going to be super interesting for me too. And the book is by Sapolsky and the title is Behave. So um, how about we start into it with Jeff? Like first, like how did you find this book? Like that's not a regular book that a licensed massage therapist should read. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, yeah. So um, I found this book. Um, I got turned on to Robert Sapolsky, um, who's a uh, professor of biology and neurology at Stanford. I got turned on to him a few years ago now uh, through his book, Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, which mm-hmm. It, which actually, which should be required reading for anybody that does anybody that works with other human beings or is a human being. Um, you're gonna have cat, <laughs> cat yelling in the background, so that's just what's gonna happen. The book is not for them. That's okay. Yeah, it's true. I mean, he, the his sister has has spent a fair amount of time sitting on it, so um, it does <laughs> it does work for them as well. Um, so uh, so suppose uh, uh, I read so Sapolsky's background is as a primatologist. So he he's done a lot of stuff. He's studied baboons. Uh, like professionally, that's, that's what mm-hmm. a lot of his, um, a lot of his work has been, uh, been in that. Um, and, but he, he put together, he had done, he, he was also teaching, uh, um, evolutionary biology at, um, at Stanford and, um, you can actually find a whole semester of his lecture of that of that class on YouTube. It's free. You can look at like, like if you just like if you just go on YouTube and search um, like Sapolsky, yes. Sapolsky, um, Sapolsky biology lecture. And mm-hmm. it, it's the entire it's like 26, 26 lectures Whoa. in a series. And the way that he approached um, evolutionary biology turned into this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in some ways it's like, it, it's, you know, he's done so much work before, but this is kind of like, this is kind of his magnum opus. Um, mm. so I, and I jumped into this because I, I love the way that he writes. I love the way that he speaks. Um, he takes so much joy in the work that he does. Like it's, it really comes mm. through, like he has fun, like he takes science, he has fun with the science of evolution and the science of anthropology. He, he really enjoys it and it comes through and, and he loves his subjects. He loves people. He like joy and love are very strong themes in the way that he, in the way that he writes and in the way that he speaks. Um, so I, I just love, I, you know, I've just, I, I just locked into his and, and I think he's a, He's a really great counterpart to, um, like, to his writing is a great counterpart to, um, like, uh, 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 Hariri's *Sapiens*, um, which kind of posits that, like, posits that selfishness is what, uh, like, you know, that 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 that, that talks about how 
gossip essentially is what makes uh makes humans humans and uh, makes humans into humans and and he he pre- like you know he put he presents a, like a really compelling story and then sapolsky has a really compelling story that has like almost a shot is almost the shadow side or like the the light side to what um to what Harari says so um that's how i found him and how he kind of how this book kind of fits into my like my view of uh like into that world that's nice i uh when you i love it when somebody writes in a way that that passion and enjoyment just comes through because i think that's when like a book like becomes like truly captivating and you can just not put it down like because it kind of like drags you into that passion and love and everything so that's that's awesome yeah 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 i just uh heard an interview with harari too and he's it was with like um, Bill Gates and Rashida Jones. And I was surprised that there is like a more pessimistic person than Bill Gates. <laughs> and Harari was like, yeah, it's just lies. Like, it's just all lies. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that this book is like the positive side of that coin. Like, that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> yeah and and i think if you were like to, and 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 i think the cool thing is that if you were to take the two of them together they would actually like i think they i think they agree on more than they dis they agree on a lot more than they disagree on and um and i think that you can find i think that there's a the common ground that you'd find between them is really it can be really powerful yeah 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 so um what was your favorite thing about this book or why do you think it's important for us? And then if you have any like excerpts that you want to go off of, like that's, that's super good too. So we can hear a little bit about it too. Yeah. Yeah. So the, um, for me, the best part about it is the way that the book is structured is Mm -hmm. it starts with an action. Like you, like someone, like there's a, he has like a few different, a few different like actions at the beginning, but it's like you, like someone punches someone. And it goes from that action and it deconstructs that action through the lens of nature and nurture from the physical act of throwing the punch all the way back to how does that fit into a cultural context? How do, how do, how do your genetics and epigenetics play into it, um, into this massive world of like, you know, how did, how, like, how did you consider, like, who is us and who is them and, and the context dependencies of that? Um, so the structure where, you know, just by, like, chapter titles, uh, I'm going to rifle through the book because I have a bunch of stuff marked, but not. So it's chapter one is the behavior. Chapter two is the second before. Chapter three is seconds to minutes before. Chapter four is hours to days before. And then it moves all the way back through, uh, all the way back through time. And, um, and that really, and so it's, it's literally bridging the, like the synapses in your brain that fire all the way to like how we evolve as societies and how different, how different human societies have evolved. Mm. Wow. (laughs) It sounds like it takes you to like, through like space and time and like from like the minute and then that action, it deconstructs it to like 
in different dimensions. That's pretty amazing. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, because yeah. it starts at this like this obvious thing, and it goes it it brings it into the tightest focus possible, mm-hmm. and then it brings it out to the broadest focus possible. Wow. And and what I thought what I really love about it is that the book is um, the book is really focused on how everything every every action is context dependent, and rather than saying it depends as kind of like the shortcut soft answer he actually really leans into well what does it depends mean right like Mm. you know i think we can talk about like you know you you can talk to a massage therapist and they can be like well should i you know should my should i have more ham is that is my hamstring range of motion bad and someone would say it depends and it can it depend and it does depend but so many people i think say it depends and like they just kind of like brush it off as like, I don't know. Like it's the same thing as saying, right. I don't know. Um, but it's like the, it makes you sound smarter than being, than just saying like, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, yeah. um, but what he does is he, he leans into that dependency and, and he's, that's, that's where he, that's where like the joy and the fun and the writing is, is in like, you know, how does it, how does it affect? Like, how does one affect, uh, affect across, um, and, and one of the things that I like, you know, he, he describes the approach in the book, and I'm just going to read a quick one. Um, uh, this is a book that's rooted in science, specifically biology, and comes out and out of that come three key points. First, you can't begin to understand things like aggression, competition, cooperation, and empathy without biology. I say this for the benefit of a certain breed of social scientists who finds biology to be irrelevant and a bit ideologically suspect when thinking about human social behavior. But just as important, second, you're just as much up a creek if you rely only on biology. This is said for the benefit of a, sty- of a style of molecular fundamentalist who believes that the social sciences are destined to be consumed by real science. As a third point, by the time you finish this book, you'll see that it actually makes no sense to, distinct- to distinguish between aspects of a behavior that are biological, in quotes, and those that would be described as, say, physiological or cultural, utterly intertwined. Wow. Yeah. That's beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. And then so like, what do you like when you said like, it depends and like all this, like, how do you think we can translate that to in, into our work? Because like, I'm, I'm the same as like, I hear this, it depends a lot. And then it's just like, okay, but how do you go about one or the other? Like what, how do you make your choice though? Mm. Yeah, that's, I, I you know, in practice that it's a, it's a, that's a hard, it's a hard question to answer because in practice, like, you know, someone will ask me is like, is this bad? And you know, my first response, like a lot of times we'll do like, I'll be doing like lying, like face down, like a, like a face down hip extension test. And like someone raises their leg and their knee comes like, you know, two fingers width off the table. And Mm -hmm. like, is that bad? I'm like, I'm not going to say that it's bad because that person probably has some sort of a physical practice. They're doing all kinds of like, they do stuff. Is it bad? Is, is it bad? Like it depends on what, like, you know, it depends, right? right? It depends on what is, what is bad mean to them? Like Mm -hmm. if I say it's, if I'm like, yeah, that's like, that's pretty crappy hip extension. (laughs) Like, does that like, does that undercut them? Or, right. or does it like, or is it just like, you know, is it just like the, the fact of like, yeah, yeah, your, your hip extension should like, we should be able to get more hip extension than you should get more hip extension than that. Like, and when you want to get, and like, 
the reason that like the reason that you're slower than you want to be is because you don't get it. I don't know. Like, so like, you know, in it's like, what context do you say? In what context do you say something's bad? Or, you know, how personally is someone going to take it? Right? Like, right. Or, or do you like, you know, for me, I fundamentally believe in like, you know, in having a like, a capabilities based, like approach, like my communication is all based on like, what someone is capable of. And like, it, and so my tendency is to say, is it bad? I'm like, no, it just is what it is. And then we'll see, mm -hmm. and we're going to see if it changes. That's yeah. like, that's my response. But then when I go to like, to explain it, when I'm like yeah. going to talk to somebody else, if I'm talking to another professional and it's like, well, what do you want to see out of that? I'm like, you know, it's like less tangible. Like I would like to see, I would like to see them not be limited. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, is mm -hmm. it, I would like to see it get better, but at the same time, I don't, but like, if that person feels good in their own skin and it's not better, then I will take that trade off any day. Right. What, and that's, what does it mean to you? I'm interested in hearing your, hearing your thought on that. Many, many thoughts right now, but um, yeah, because like I, so like when it, it depends now that I'm thinking about like um, kind of like working on case studies and like kind of like educating people is like, it depends is like many times is the answer but you have to know like what you're looking for. Like, for example, like on a bigger scale, like somebody walks in and they're all, I had this with like uh, younger, like youth athletes when they're too young, they're like 14 year old or 12 and they're just awkward. They're in this like awkward stage. And I stand in front of them as like an author and a figure, but, and I'm trying to like ask them to do something, but we're not in a gym. They never got a massage. They never been almost, they never been one-on-one -on -one with a, with a stranger in a room so it's like there there's like multiple layers and when i see it's like they can't even look me in the eye mm -hmm. am i gonna like go and do some deep work no like they're not like their nervous system is not ready to trust me and then for me that's where like the it depends come in like what is that person comes in with like what do you do when somebody shows up with this i was like i don't know if they're freaking out that day because they just broke up with their girlfriend, boyfriend, and they're crying on the table, I am not going to do like deep hamstring work. I am not going to do this and that because I'm just putting more on the system. Whereas somebody comes in chilled and they're like, okay, I'm ready to kill it. Do whatever you need to do because I want to go lift heavy like after this or tomorrow. I'm like, okay, let's, let's get on it. Let's get mm -hmm. deep. Let's get very like specific. Um, and I do believe that like what we say matters, like what your question is, like, what is bad for you? That is, that is a huge question. Like, what do they hear when you say something? Like, what, what is it that like comes through to them? Because like you saying like, oh, it's too, like, let's say, even if you're like more lenient it's okay. It's like, well, it's a little bit less than average, even that to a person mm -hmm. who has this, message for their whole life that they're not good enough or they've been hurt by that before it's gonna mean a lot more than you think it does mm -hmm. and that might be the difference between their first of all they're coming back or their success in the long term or how they look at themselves again and i'm i'm the same there with you as like what are you looking for like i'm looking for freedom and whatever yeah. way that comes in like if it's just their breath, is it like a mental state that they can let go, you know, for like two more hours at that day, or they're not on their phone for an hour, like why they were two hours when they're in my room, like 
oh my God, that's a win for some people. Like, mm-hmm. that's a huge win. So I'm the same. Like, I'm not really necessarily looking for specific things. Like, even if I'm measuring, maybe I'm measuring, like, I'm looking for change yep. or I'm looking for a more ease of effort or ease of movement Mm -hmm. rather than, Oh, this needs to be five inches or this Mm -hmm. needs to be 45 degrees. That's a very rare case that I would say that that's something that I need to hit. Like, you know, if a coach comes to me and I was like, okay, they need this much for this exercise or they need, they're missing like 50 degrees. And again, like I'm, where are they missing it from? Is it their nervous system? Is it they don't have mm-hmm. it physically? Is it physiological? Is it control? Like, is it nervous system? Like, where do they yeah. miss it? Like, yeah. it's, not a, it's not that I can just do two things and it's like, bam, like you're, you're done. Like, you're probably not done. You lost it for a reason. So, right. yeah. So that's where I think like those books like come in really handy to like understand like how deep anything that somebody comes in with wells from, like how mm-hmm deep rooted in everything that somebody shows up in their bodies and they come in like that goes back to like way way before the yesterday at the gym like no (laughs) yeah yeah and it's those connections that you can that you can draw of like when you think about that 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 14 year old kid that's coming that's never had a massage before they're in your they're in your room they've you know i'm i'm picturing like of uh like of I'm picturing like a freshman boy in high school who's now in a room, in a room with a closed door with like low lights and a woman. And it's just like that kid is going to be like they're like that kid is either going to be in the room and completely immobile or completely out of the room and like a wet noodle. Right. Yeah. Like there, there, it's just like, like, you know, and so it's like drawing those connections between the like, the the psychological space that someone's inhabiting and that like how safe do they feel like right how how, like where like what's the level of activation in their nervous system and then like maybe once you can address that then you can start to look at the like you know the more like the physiological like like you can start looking at the like the muscles but Mm -hmm. yeah i i i thought that's right i i really love where that i love where that took you because that that's um yeah, I, I think that's like that's something that's it's hugely important that we can that that we can kind of take that pause. And and one of the things that I find I find really helpful is um, is com- when I'm communicating with my clients is that I I, I try and I try to avoid um, and I think I successfully avoid com- having them draw comparisons between themselves and something outside of the room. I really, really love comparing side to side with people mm-hmm. and I love having them feel it. Like a lot of times, like, you know, like our, you know, our diaphragm is asymmetrical liver, all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. But like, you can kind of, if you get somebody to start feeling underneath their ribs off, like off the edge of their sternum, generally one side is going to, especially if they've got low back pain on one side, one side of their, one side of those, their, their high abs is going to be really, really tight. One, one side of their high abs is going to be less tight. Um, probably both sides are going to be pretty jacked up, but like generally one side (laughs) is going to be a lot less. And so like, as I'm, as I'm kind of feeling them on the table, I'm like, Hey, do you feel the difference between these two sides? Oh, here, put your hands here. See, like, see what this feels like on this side, see what it feels like on that side. And then once we've kind of like, once we've gotten that, the, the abs to let go, we got the diaphragm descending all that, then like having them take a look down and seeing what it looks like when their ribs kind of stay in the same place and they're, and the, and they can see themselves breathing through their belly and they could see that moving as opposed to it being super rigid. 
So mm. giving them like, like giving them a feeling like having them feel like against like my against skilled hands, having them feel with their own hands side to side differences, and then having them see what what the difference see visual a visual representation of what the difference of what that that different that felt difference is mm -hmm. uh, giving them like giving them a lot of different sensory options to say to 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 see that but it's all internal internal comparisons whether it's side by side or it's like or it's uh like time-based comparisons before and after Right. or both right side to side and mm -hmm, before mm -hmm. and after why not why not why not yeah. add that extra dimension yeah. but those yeah. those are the comparison points that i like to use because i don't really you know like i have somebody who comes in who's been a dancer for who's you know they've been a, a dancer for 20 years like you know the conversation that we're going to have about hamstrings is going to be very very different than the conversation i'm going to have about hamstrings with the dude who sits at a desk for who, who sits at a desk mm -hmm. and doesn't have a physical practice like it's just going right. to be different. Like yeah, I can't yeah, talk yeah. objectively about hamstrings with either of those people. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a two definitely different set of hamstrings for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like, for sure. It's like, hmm, don't yeah. don't mix those up. Like please. Yeah. <laughs> it would be very hard to. Yes. Yeah. No, I think like that's definitely like the giving the the internal reference and like I, I think that's a great point to like no, like compared to something in the room, like in their own body. Like, that's awesome. Like, mm. that's really good. Yeah. 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 And it's always handy. So what else do you want to tell us about this book? Um, so one of the other things, speaking of comparisons and internal <laughs> comparisons, um, is he talked about is he talks about like, uh, I wrote it down as this, and it's not quite the way that I mean it, but he talks about like the shadow side of hormones. Like we talk about dopamine as like, you know, we talk about dopamine as the feel good, right? And we talk about oxytocin as the like the 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 love hormone. And one of the things that he did a really, really great job of in this book is he talks about like how those, how even those, how those are context dependent. Um, so he talks about, um, talks about oxytocin and, and the, the oxytocin one discussion is like, is great because he's talking about how, um, you know, uh, in, on one, on one hand, the way that we think about oxytocin and kind of like pop, like the, like the pop neuro and pop neuroscience world is like, like oxytocin is it makes us like it makes us feel loved it's the it's the thing that gets secreted in our in like a mother in a, by a mother and a baby when the baby's on when the baby's on mother's skin um but then we look at but then if you look at it in a different place it actually um uh oxytocin oxytocin helps us identify who are us in air quotes mm. like who is us versus who is them and mm. so if you were to play and so one of the things that like a high level of oxytocin will do is it'll make us feel it'll feel, make us feel closer to our family right like it makes us feel closer closer mm. to our loved ones at the same time if it makes us harsher on people who we don't consider are us when we like when we when we consider them we actually like a, an elevated level of oxytocin can make us more hostile towards a them wow oh my gosh okay that is like and that is a very very good question nowadays yeah that's awesome wow yeah. so, so interesting so so one of the, the little passage here is uh um so uh 
back to oxytocin enhancing trust and cooperation in economic game, but not if the other player is anonymous and in a different room. So if we were playing like if you're playing a like the prisoner's dilemma game, um, where mm-hmm. you know you, where each of like where there's a if if one if where uh, the look up the prisoner's dilemma game. I'm not gonna okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but if we're if we're if the other person's anonymous and then they're in a different room, we will we will um, we will be less cooperative. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he ta- he cites this study by a guy by a guy called Karsten de Gru from uh, University of Amsterdam. Um, in the in this in the subject in a in the study, male subjects formed two teams. Each subject chose how much of his money to put into a pot shared with his teammates. As usual, oxytocin increased such generosity. Then players played the, the prisoner's dilemma game with the prisoner's dilemma with someone from the other team. When the financial stakes were high, making subjects more motivated, oxytocin made them more likely to preemptively stab the other player in the back. Thus, oxytocin makes you more pro-social to people like you, like your teammates, but spontaneously lousy to others who are a threat. As emphasized by DeDrew, by, by perhaps oxytocin evolved to enhance social competence to make us better at, at identifying who an us is. Mm. Wow. And That's mind blowing. Like, it's all trade-offs, right? And yeah. and then you realize that like that like when it is dependent, it is like it's so context dependent because like we think about like the idea of us and them, like, you know, it's it, like it's is us, you know, is us you and your family is us you is us you like are you in a fight with your with your significant other and then like you they are with them and then, mm-hmm. or is it like or is it your neighbor your neighbor who your loud neighbor your neighbor with the barking dog who becomes with them or is it the or is it the like you know the people from out of town that are kind of like the people that are like you know uh right you live, in, you live in houston people are like people are like traveling down to texas so they can not wear masks yep. and so yep. like and so you have like out of towners it's <laughs> like oh, definitely the, them. <laughs> and then they're with them right but then yeah. like you put that in context of like you know you put that in context of like uh of like you know uh like of like of like america and russian relationship mm-hmm. rela- relations like then all of a sudden those people that come to that come to houston to not wear masks become an us and the russians yes. become a them and then yes. like and then like you go and then like you know the aliens come and all of a sudden like all the humans are us and the aliens are them and because the, and so the us and them is completely context dependent oh, yeah. uh which i thought was like which which then like that goes into like that's a that's like the running that's like a huge theme that I ca- that I carried like, um, and then that's another like that's another one of like when we think about an individual and I'm gonna read another little passage here. Um, Consider an individual with an impassioned hatred for an array of outgroups. There are two ways to explain this. Option one: He has carefully concluded that Group A's trade policies hurt the economy, and just happens to also believe that Group Group B's ancestors were blasphemous, and thinks that Group C's members don't express sufficient contrition for a war started by their grandparents, and perceives Group D members as pushy and thinks Group E undermines family values. That's a lot. A lot of cognitive just happens to just happen tos. Option two. The guy's authoritarian temperament is unsettled by novelty and ambiguity about hierarchies and isn't a set of coherent cognitions. And so it's like, 
how do we, how do we, like, we have all these different ways that we identify who us is and who's, 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 who thems are. And then we can, and then we go back and we justify it, you know, like where it's like, oh, actually like I have a high, like, you know, I innately have a high appreciation for authority. And then I can like go back and say like, oh, I don't like how the X's do this and how the Y's do that and how the Z's do that. But uh, really what it is, is that like, you are, you are very, like, you are very power positive in your mind. And so uh-huh. like anyone that is anyone that threatens that is somebody that somebody that you're going to identify as an out group, and then you're going to create it, you're going to create a story around it, or you'll be susceptible to, to a story that's created for you around that. Yeah, even more so for sure. Yeah, definitely. Story. So like the hatred comes first, and like, then the story. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. that like that actually ties in. Um, that's one of the things that um, uh, what's his name, Coddling of the American Mind, um, mm. uh, name drops, name skips my skips my head right now, and like, you know, and like I think I think some of his arguments are like some of his arguments I think are like intellectually disingenuous. I think he is like I think he his he is i think that like that book i thought has like a really strong premise that has been kind of mis- misinterpreted a lot um but at the same time it's like you know if but he he identifies like kind of six core values that of that are that are either conservative value like relatively conservative values or liberal mm-hmm. values and like conservatives tend to value these three of them liberals tend to value these three of them and um and then we can just like tell those and like we can, and there's a, like a biological route to that mm-hmm. <laughs> that predisposes us towards this. Oh my gosh. Yes. And like, and then when I like think about Sapolsky like, it's like, oh, well that means that there's so much that we can't yeah. control. So there's like, really, we should just be nice to each other. Yeah. Yeah. How about that? <laughs> well, apparently that's not going to happen about like, <laughs> because of biology, but, <laughs> um, yeah, I really like that, that it like kind of like shines that light upon the, the the other side of the coin. Like, I always really like that. And then there's another book. It's uh, Sebastian Younger, uh, The Tribe or Tribe, I think. Yeah, Tribe. And I really loved it because that like that was my explanation to the we don't want to politically go into anything. But that was like a really good explanation of like the American politics or anywhere where there's like only two sides. It's like both of them evolutionary uh sustainable strategies right like so one of them is like you need to care for the weak like and you need to care for your own weak and and young and old and then the other one is like the other drive that we both have like we everybody has these both you know drives to like protect your tribe and only the fittest can survive we we carry both at the same time and it just depends on like where do you circle your tribe like who is your tribe like if you're only trying to protect your family or your very small community and you're only your like-minded people you have a tendency to to belong some certain groups or whatever and if you say that no i believe that my tribe is the whole earth and we have like seven billion people to take care of then you have a tendency for the other community, right? So it's, but it's all stems from the same, like you want to keep your tribe alive, but it's just two different sides of the coin. And it's just super, for me, like that was the the best explanation, like how sides will never agree because ultimately deep down they do agree and they just don't see that, that they 
all want the same thing. They want the whole nation to survive and succeed. Nation, community, uh, the whole world. Like we all want the same thing. Mm. We just think that there's like two separate ways. And I think like that's just be like literally just depends. And that's where like the Sapolsky comes in too, like and nurture and nature. Like how did you grow up, for example? Like what do you get from your parents? Like even like epigenetics, like yeah. What, what like, did your parents get from their parents? Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. And like, it's all of it. Like it's almost impossible to like unfold it back to like one thing. And it's all about like the same thing, like nature and nurture both. Right. Um, but it's just really interesting to know those. And I think like the best we can do is like be aware how many of these like biases and just unnamed decisions we carry and we have that we don't even know about and then once you like kind of like have like a little light on that like how complex these things are and like how much it is both biology physiology psychology and social sciences and all of the above and like all together and everything is just molds together you just need to know that it's not that easy and probably it's easier to like think about your own biases and tendencies if you know that it's not your it's not a fault and it's not anything it's not half the time it's not even your own decision yeah. so <laughs> yeah and 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 that's like that i think is the biggest thing is that you can is that like you just need to be like you have this opportunity to be aware mm-hmm. and and i think that's the that's the biggest thing is like we can you know we can bring our own executive decisions if we if we realize that we if we realize that we're not going to make like if we realize that decisions are going to be made no matter what we can choose where we decide we want to invest our effort into them mm-hmm. and and then we and we also like you know part of being like part of being human is that we can is that we can reflect and we can and we can say like oh we can we can inquire like oh why do i have that response what did that like why do i feel this way about the about that person like, and then, or that, that cat like that group of people, why do I not care about this? And then you can, and like, and we have these powers of self-reflection and, and that's like, that's where I think like, you know, that's where I find, like, that's where I find the humanity, right? That, that is like, that is the humanity. That's the thing that we do that no one else does is we right. like, we think about the stuff that we think about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All the other animals are just happy-go-lucky and they just live and they're totally fine. And we start, we like love complicating things, but yes, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I heard a quote um, last week that was like, um, you know, like an owl, an owl wakes, an owl doesn't figure out, doesn't think about how to be an owl. Like a, 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 a raccoon doesn't think about how to be a raccoon humans think about being human because thinking about being human is what makes us human. Mm, wonderful. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's about it. So <laughs> yes. Awesome. Um, any other rabbit holes in this book? <laughs> uh, no, but this book is what a, do you think? this is a seven, it's a 700 page long rabbit hole and it's wonderful. I strongly, oh my gosh. I, I strongly, yeah, I was, yeah, I was going to ask. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's uh, dense. What? Uh, yes, size of the fonts, like um, seven. <laughs> easy, easy reading. It's like it's easily okay. read. It, one of the things that I, I I found is that I was able to, um, for as long as the book is, each section is written. It, the sections and subsections are all quite short, 
so you mm. can I this was the book that I I got through this book not by sitting it wasn't my morning book for the most part mm -hmm. like I would do some mornings when I would read it but generally it was my lunchtime book and lunchtime mm -hmm. is usually like 10 to 15 minutes of like 10 to 15 minutes of reading and I would read mm -hmm. a section or two every day okay okay eventually yeah, the book was done good. yeah <laughs> it took most of 2020 to get there but yeah. <laughs> it, it did yeah exactly exactly that's the result that's good awesome awesome this sounds like a great book and everything and i do think that there's like some things that we can use from it and then as we said before like the awareness and just and then be aware for yourself and be aware for your clients too like every single decision making or every single thing that happens in there does matter oh my gosh yeah overwhelming but also really good to know because that means that may, we may we can make a change one way or the other so that's good yeah that's yeah. awesome anything else that you would like to add for this no that was it a strong recommendation <laughs> i would encourage you to read it and if you haven't if you don't pick it up read just watch um watch a couple episodes of uh, or if you haven't you're not familiar with robert sapolsky at all i think watching a couple of his uh stanford lectures or uh, would be a really really fantastic start awesome Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jeff. And thank you for reading for us and everything and doing the little recap from it. So <laughs> that was really helpful. So thank you for everybody for listening. And we'll be back next week with some more. And then we're going to link everything in the show notes, all the books and uh, the YouTube, hopefully, too. We're going to link it in there. And um, just go check that out and leave us a com comment. Uh, give us like a review. If you're listening to this, invite your friends and see you guys next week. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this episode of Hands at the Table. If you got something out of this episode, have comments or topics you'd like us to cover, please let us know by tagging us on Instagram. Bori is at restore underscore revive underscore therapy, and Jeff is at just breathe manual therapy. We'd also appreciate if you can take a minute to leave us a rating, like, or review wherever you listen. It'll help other people find us. We'll see you next week.